You are listening to episode 24 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, the podcast of two unqualified idiots rambling on sports topics they likely know nothing about for an indeterminate timeline in a hastily thrown together format. Brought to us this week by No Name Beer. No, we're actually not sponsored by them. No Name Beer. If you want And both beer, of us aren't drinking it. Just you. Yeah, just me. If you need beer, No Name Beer is definitely beer. I'm Carlos Alcazar, and with me as always is Dave Turnbull. Carlos, good to talk to you again, as always. Is that not a ringing endorsement? If you want beer, No Name Beer is beer. That's, well, I mean, it is an endorsement of some sort. I am confirming the fact that it is, in fact, beer. It is not false advertising. It is Well, beer. this is, I mean, you know, at least you know that you're getting beer if you buy it. And a, and a very pretty yellow label. Very bright yellow label. Like, come on, man. Right there. And it hey. says beer in black letters in English and French. En français. What more could you ask for? Other than maybe it tasting a little better. I, I, was, I was about to say taste. Taste would be taste would be like a place to start. That'd be, taste, that'd be real good. Finish. All of the above. Yes. Or a better price point. That would also be good. That yeah. Now uh, one thing I told Dave about the about this particular beer is that it's it's fine for what it is. It's truly a no name product. In the sense that it's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. But I'm also not saying it's good. And what I'm saying is that at the price point they have it at, if they charged less, it would be fine. It would be more than fine. But as it is, uh, as it is currently at the price point it's at, I'm very fortunate that I was gifted this beer and that I did not buy this beer. If I bought this beer, I'd be very sad. As a gift, I accept it for what it is. As you should. As I should. Correct. Free beer is, you know. The, the best kind. Yeah, exactly. The best kind. Outside of beer discussion we have a couple of items we're going to talk to about today we're going to do some news and notes as usual i'll explain kind of when we get into the main topic the context behind it but something that came to my mind this week was has a television presentation and of course also social media ruined the sports fan viewing experience it really is kind of uh, a discussion onto itself and then we're going to have uh, dave and myself are going to have a little update on our major league baseball picks uh, Dave wrote some of them down so we can kind of review where we were at and kind of just past the halfway point of the season and past the all-star game and then, you know, anything else that comes to our mind, I'm sure we'll think of something. So first, let's start off a little bit with news and notes. The first one that I that came up for me was that Ron Francis is named the first ever Seattle NHL team, insert name here, general manager. I will say one thing as far as the team has not been named, but I did enjoy that in my little bit of research, I saw that the Seattle Times did have like an unofficial naming tournament. And in their unofficial tournament from votes, over 100,000 votes, they selected the Seattle Sockeyes. Which would be glorious. I, quite frankly, completely okay with calling them the Seattle Sockeyes, only in the hope that it will actually happen so that I can live my dream and yours of one day seeing Seattle Sockeyes on the Stanley Cup. Please no. Seattle Just, Sockeyes, Dave. No. Seattle. Yes. Also, Sockeyes. I don't think you should be allowed to appoint personnel until you have a name. Just saying. Just like you shouldn't be able to do any kind of, I mean, other than it's like, here's a team, we've awarded it to Seattle, here's the owner, pick a name, then you can hire people. They're not starting to play hockey until 2021-2022. I almost feel like it's too soon to name a general manager. What is he doing this upcoming season? Technically speaking, I don't actually know what he is doing. I guess, I guess naming staff is really what can you're you, doing. Can you trade draft picks? What draft picks? Like, I, don't think I, they, I trade the 2026 first-round pick and the 2027 second-round pick for a player. 
at this point, I don't think they have access to any draft pick. The only draft picks they might have is maybe the New Orleans Pelicans have a couple extra, or the Oklahoma City Thunder can lend them a few, and they can trade. Also possible. And they can trade for somebody. Maybe they can trade for Chris Paul. Nobody else will. Somebody can trade for Chris Paul. Chris Paul can play for the Seattle Sockeyes. Live Ugh. the dream. It, hey, you know what? It may actually work out better for Chris Paul. At this point, you may as well try it. It's interesting. It's good to know that the team is progressing along. And, you know, this is one of the things that has to happen. But I think it was much ado about not very much, given the yeah, fact. But I, but I would say I do like the fact, like, Ron Francis is a very likable guy. You know, good for him for being named GM. Uh, you know, he's more associated with Carolina, obviously. But, you know, it's good for him and, and a good welcome. And I think that. I, I don't know if he's necessarily going to do an amazing job. I mean, considering how things went in Carolina, but I think it's a solid pick from a hockey standpoint. I think you the know? real question. It, I think the real question with the Seattle team is going to be how the NHL is going to actually let them build their team early, based on the Las Vegas experience. Because by all accounts, the Las Vegas was almost like the perfect case scenario. But I'm sure some of the other teams are going to be like, I think we might have given them too much. Normally we normally we crippled them out of the gate, but in this case, Las Vegas was able to get to the Stanley Cup final in their first season. They were able to build a really strong team right out of the box, which is great for the market. But I don't know if Seattle is going to get the same deal given what they saw out of Las Vegas. But I think it's good for the NHL, though, right? Like if you have an expansion team do decently well out of the gate, you know you're going to get fans anyway. But I think. If you have a successful season or moderately successful season, depending on what your definition of success is, that sets you up better for year two and moving forward where people more likely renew season tickets or people who didn't buy season tickets in the first place are wanting to get them, things like that. I agree with you, but the Las Vegas team got to the Stanley Cup final in their first season. That was a really str- – the, the joke was at the time during the Stanley Cup final run, at that time they had a goaltender – and a backup goaltender who were better than my team's starting goaltender. They, they they flat out had a better team. At that point, I was hoping the Dallas Stars would consider going back into expansion because maybe they could get better goaltending. <laughs> so it's it was absurd how good they were able to build that team out because of the the structure of the of the picks that they were able to have and the way they were able to get different players from the roster. Now, full value to the management for making shrewd hockey moves to pull it off. Because it's not just getting a smorgasbord of players and smushing them together. That doesn't work. They were able to get a good combination of players that were able to play well together. But it, but it's it's not... I, I think a good first season would be being competitive. A great first season would be making the playoffs. Getting to the yeah. Cup Finals no, is like I next think, level. Well, for sure. For sure. I think that's definitely a high watermark. And extremely hard to repeat whether anyone ever sort of will repeat that. Who knows? Because uh, obviously you don't have expansion teams coming around all the time. But as you said, you know, you if if you are competitive and you know field a good product, then I feel that that is success. Yeah, I right. Think he, and I I think I think Ron Francis should be able to build that team. I think the NHL's goal is going to be to find that delicate balance. They really want to. They don't want to cripple him. They don't want to leave him short so that they can't build a decent team. But they also don't want to hand him so much capital that at that point, you know, a trained monkey could build a great team if you have enough. If you basically take really good players from everybody else, then you're kind of at a dis- an advantage compared to everybody else. It's it's going to be a balance. So the NHL has a little bit of time to figure that out, but we'll see if Ron, how Ron Francis is able to do to adapt to that in this role. So good for him on getting the job. All right. So this is a quick item that I wanted to add in. 
I know all of you secretly wanted our Bryce Harper update. The $330 million 13-year contract man is now batting a robust 255 with 17 home runs and 67 RBIs. 13 years, 330 million. That's what that gets you. I think people, I think what we should do is just say, Bryce Harper update, still too much money, and move on. But it's so good. Two, um, he's you know batting 255. It's so good. But it's, you know what's interesting, uh, at least for, from a perspective, obviously he is disappointed. I think that's fair to say. Uh, obviously the season is not over. But it was interesting because the Dodgers recently just played the Phillies. And MLB TV or MLB Network or whatever it is actually on, you know, over-the-air television as opposed to over the internet. I uh, just had a free preview on. So I was able to watch part of, if not all of, the Dodgers series against Philadelphia. And, you know, the announce that it was since it was in Philadelphia, you had the, the Philadelphia announcers. And they're like, well, you know, now he's turning it on. And, and he actually he had a really good series, too. Uh, you know, is that a turning point? I don't know. Can you judge a whole con a 13-year contract at a one-year? No. But I think as we had sort of discussed previously that no matter how what he does, because, I mean, realistically, it's not worth $330 million. Yeah. The, the, the biggest problem with such a large contract is that you're always going to be on the hook to live up to it. But the other problem is that... Bryce Harper's thing is that everybody's looking at his age and they're looking at the potential. That's what this contract was about. It was about age and potential. You're saying a guy who's 26 years old and he has this and he has all this power and he has all this ability. But at the same time, he has had one MVP caliber season in his career. Now, again, he's only 26. Could he have more? Absolutely. But the problem is at that rate that we're talking about, he could have multiple MVP caliber seasons and still somehow be a disappointment. It, it's it's a rod syndrome all over again a rod was a great player in texas he was and then he went to new york and got an even bigger deal and he won an mvp i believe in new york he definitely had a, a 50 home run season in new york and they won a world series and you could and you could debate whether it was a disappointing result if the yankees got their money's worth which is insanity if you really think about it but that's what a long term a long 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 term big dollar contract gets you it leaves you in this situation where, like, how do you measure value? You're looking for some kind of consistency. My biggest issue, jokes aside, my biggest issue isn't that I don't think he's going to play better. My issue is that he's hitting 255 into his first season, well halfway. And his average wasn't exactly going up prior to this year's contract. He can hit for power. I'm not worried about his power. I suspect he'll be able to hit for power for years, assuming he stays healthy. My big issue is if you're already hitting in the 250s and you're barely in your you're barely out of your mid 20s, I don't think your batting average is going to keep going up. These are the years where I want to see a hit consistently hitting 300. That's why I used the example when we were talking about the contract originally. I talked about a Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera was a triple crown threat every year, and he won a triple crown. And even now, Detroit is looking at it as now injuries have started piling up and his production has started to drop. Now they feel like it, now now it's an immovable contract. But you still got a lot of value for a while. And Miguel Cabrero was able to build this body of work where he was already primed to be an all-time great. With Bryce Harper, we're in a situation where we think talent-wise he could be an all-time great, but he hasn't accumulated the statistics. And he's still technically too young to qualify for that category. And we're already paying him like he's already qualified. Yeah. So do you, do you know what I mean? Like, we haven't gotten there. We don't actually have the track record. 
And now the scary part is, so are you actually going to get it? Because potential yeah. is great, but you're paying oh. you're paying for the product before you actually got to see the product. You well, and also enough. also consider this, okay? Uh, Philadelphia right now. I know we're gonna do a little bit of this later, but Philadelphia right now is fifty and forty-seven. Okay, which means they're seven and a half games back of Atlanta for the division lead. Okay, they have a minus nineteen run differential. And now the good news is they're only half a game out of a wild card spot for the second wild card. You know, but still, you know, things aren't looking that great for the team. And you wonder, obviously, one season is going to make a huge difference. But if it continues like this, when does Philadelphia go, holy shit, we're paying Bryce Harper $303 million. What, and if they don't win, you know, okay, where is he off to next? Because Philadelphia is probably no matter what. Now, again, this is thinking way in the future and way in different scenarios. But if he ever ends up being traded, whoever he gets traded to, is going to have to, you know, Philadelphia is going to still be on a hook for a lot of that money, I bet. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's the problem when you tie yourself to such a massively long contract. When you commit to that much time and that much money over that period of time, at a certain point, everyone's going to look at you. The other teams will be like, okay, I'll take him, but how much are you planning on eating? And you're going to have to eat a good chunk of it if that comes to pass. That's that's kind of what will be, we'll, we'll wait and see on that. But at the same time, it's like it's not the best place to start. You kind of want to get out of the blocks quick in year one just to kind of justify it, at least for the first couple of seasons, especially since right now, to your point, Bryce Harper isn't Bryce Harper's not a liability, but he's also not that much of an asset for what you're actually paying for. He's not moving the needle and making Philadelphia that much better, which yes. is unfortunate for what you're paying for. So you're Correct. hoping for a difference maker. All right. Next one was a kind of a favorite story of mine. It was There's not a lot to it, but let me quickly explain. Unnamed Western Conference general manager as part of the Kawhi Leonard smear campaign basically said, you know, Kawhi Leonard's great, but, you know, he doesn't uh, elevate anyone. So, Dave, what do you think about the words from the San Antonio general manager? <laughs> I think it's bullshit, actually. Uh, and, and, you know, when I, when I read it, I was like, you know, let me think about this for a second. Is this is this true? I'm sure there's a general manager said in San Antonio. No, for sure. I, I I don't doubt that. And you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if indeed it was the San Antonio Spurs. But it'd be but, so petty and gutless not to name. Like, put your name on it. If you really are that, if you really are feel that strongly about it, seriously, just put your name on it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, but the, the thing is, with the Raptors, you saw in the playoffs a team that had nothing phased them. You know. They were down 2-0, uh, sorry, soccer talk. They were down 2 nothing to Milwaukee, right? In the third game in that series went double overtimes. So they were really close to being down 3-0 in that series. Now, luckily they didn't, and obviously we know they won the next four and, and won it and then went on to the finals and won the finals. But the team had a calm about them. And, and I think, you know, if you can say a team takes on the personality of somebody, the, the Toronto Raptors took on the personality of Kawhi Leonard, and that was a big contributing factor to them winning a championship. So, honestly, this has to be one. Of, personally, I think it's one of two. This GM is one of two people. Maybe it is the San Antonio Spurs, as you say, or even better, Rob Palenka. Maybe maybe it's Rob Palenka because he didn't sign there. There's pretty much two options for that. And actually, I'll I'll quickly give my thoughts, but then I'll I'll mention a thing about the Lakers, the Lakers as well, related, semi-related to this. Every realistic person understood that Kawhi Leonard was pretty much a hired gun. At the end of the day, he didn't actually choose to go to Toronto. 
But where I think some credit is due is that he made the best out of a quote-unquote bad situation. He took a franchise that had no winning tradition and kind of dragged them kicking and screaming. Now, did he do everything? No, the other players had to buy in. The good news is the other players understood the situation and said, we are going to buy in. We have this season. The, op- the dominoes are falling our way. Let's take advantage of every opportunity. And by, when they got to the finals and KD was injured and then Clay Thompson got injured, the players didn't say, oh, well, no one will, you know, there'll be an asterisk. No, the players were like, you know what? Then I'm winning the championship. Then we're winning. Then we're going to take this thing and we're going to have our little parade. And you know what? Then you can't take it away from us. And in 10 years, exactly. no one, and in 10 years, no one will remember. The, you know, Mar- the Marcus Sauls of the world and all those players do not care. It doesn't matter how it happened. The important thing is that it happened. And the important thing is that they get the ring anyway. And, and as you say, you, you can't take it from them. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. Kawhi Leonard can then run off and do whatever the hell he wants. All those players on that roster are going to get their rings. All the staff are going to get their rings. All the, you know, the trainers and everybody. And you know what? Not a damn one of them is returning it. None of no. them. And, and honestly, I don't, I don't think people should hold hard feelings towards Kawhi unless he really is the Kaiser Soze and Uncle Dennis and Kawhi are the same person. Then you can have hard feelings towards him if that's actually true. I actually, if, 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 it is, if it is true though, I wouldn't hold hard feelings on him because then he'll probably have you killed. Uh, fair enough. Yeah, like I, it's like I for one embrace our Kaiser Soze masters. Also, I totally need to watch that movie again because it's, it's a great. I, 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 I keep talking about it. It just, it's, it, you know, I'm thinking it's such a good movie. Such. Yeah, I was talking. I was talking to my wife about it, and she hasn't seen it. So I feel that's something we need to do. This is like a failure for you as a husband. I want you to point that out. Like, no. Well, I, I think it's just a failure for me as a human being, not necessarily as a husband. Accurate, accurate. If you need a copy of it, let me know, and I'll lend it to you. Sounds good. Yeah. So no, the important thing is that the important thing is that I don't care from a from a perspective of looking at. It. I understand. Certain uh, general managers in the Western Conference have an axe to grind. I was trying to find it on Instagram. Uh, the score is, is all about the NBA drama, though. I will say the score has very much gotten on to this. And what they did is they put in the little, their little uh, picture, and they go, report, the Los Angeles Lakers you know, are upset that they feel Kawhi Leonard was misleading them or was playing them, basically. And I'm sitting there going like, have you listened to a single episode of our podcast? We've basically been saying that Kawhi Leonard is screwing with them. And we named him Kaiser Sose. He is screwing with everyone. He owns you. He owns ter- property in your heads. The man is just screwing with everybody. The only person he cares about is Kawhi Leonard and Uncle Dennis, who doesn't exist. Hey, you know what? If the Lakers want to hire us, like I'm not a Laker fan. I don't like the Lakers. I, we will accept their money. But... You know, I I will like them if you want to pay. We will take your money. We'll take it. We'll do it for the lulls. There'll be there'll be so many jokes, and it's like, where are these leaks coming from? <laughs> yeah, it's too good. I don't understand why at this stage of the game there would be a report saying the Lakers are upset that he was playing them. It's like he was playing them from the beginning. Now, mind you, I do think there is a scenario where he would have considered going to the Lakers, but only if absolutely every other plan failed. And I actually think that he probably would have still would have gone to Toronto then if literally he couldn't get anybody. He would have been like, I'll do the one and one. And in the end, when he went to the Clippers, he did a two and one, which is only marginally more than a one and one. So he's still leaving his options open. The options are still open and they're still on the table. And I did take a little bit of look, Dave, at the Supermax. I, I think that there are still conditions where he can still get a Supermax, even, with the, okay. even without the full time on it. But the point is he's leaving his options open which is probably very smart from the perspective of trying to maximize dollars. That 10-year thing is apparently a real big deal with one of the conditions. It's yeah. very complicated. At some point, we'll yeah. get a capologist on it. There's a lot to figure yeah. out. Like, there's but, a lot. Uh, but speaking of Kawhi, 
now the story is out. Uh, we, I think we had talked on the podcast that he's suing Nike over the claw logo. Yes. Now, Nike is countersuing. So Nike is saying that basically some of what Kawhi has said is yes, he did provide Nike with a pair of images. One has a KL, one has the L as a number, number two. But basically, Nike ultimately created the logo. It should be part of Nike. And basically what Kawhi is saying is BS. He hasn't actually provided the court with enough proof. Pretty much is what they're saying. Understandable. Like at the end of the day, when it comes to litigation, it's kind of a he said, she said. But at the end of the day, Nike, if Nike can prove that they were mostly involved in the design, which I'm sure they can, they probably hired somebody to make that logo. Uh, At the end of the day, if they own the property, they own the property. If they own the logo, they own the logo. And I'm sure they'll go back and forth until my, my prediction is they'll go back and forth as long as they can. I think uh, Kawhi will fight them as long as possible, and then maybe they'll settle, and then possibly someone's house will get burned to the ground. I'm just saying it, anything's possible, but th- I feel the situation will be resolved in a settlement. And You're just milking this Kaiser Soze thing for as much as you possibly can, eh? How do you know that's a reference to the movie? You'd have to watch it to be sure. It can mean anything, anything at all. There's a whole monologue in it. But anyway, the, the reality is, though, I'm not surprised that Nike countersued him. Like, Nike will not take that line down. There's no way that they would uh, that they would be okay with anything that could potentially make them a buck. They will fight for it. Understandably so. So I really don't have an issue with it. And frankly, I don't care one way or the other. I don't think there's going to be too many more updates on this. I think in the end it's going to end up in a settlement. And that would be my expectation from that story. Yeah, I, w- I would say so. I would agree with that. This is the pretentious cross-country running report with Dave Turnbull. So here's my problem with pretentious cross-country running this time. Every year now, uh, the big teams in Europe, or the bigger teams, you know, teams such as, let's say, Bayern Munich, Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal, Tottenham, although I hate calling Tottenham a big team, although some of you might say, hey, Arsenal are a big team either. Anyway, not a point. Chelsea, you know, major English teams, AC Milan... Inter, you know, they travel and they go on preseason tours either in the United States or in Asia. Usually it's only one of the two. And I'm start and it's a great moneymaker, so it's not going anywhere. But I'm kind of sick and tired of the games. Because the games don't mean anything. Right? And it's like the International Champions Cup. So there's actually a trophy for it, even though it means absolutely nothing. So somebody gets a trophy, even though some teams are playing in North America, some teams are playing in Asia, and then they're just like, hey, you know what? Uh, we're going to give you the trophy, right? And I, I know it's you know based on actual evidence and wins and statistics and whatever, but I just don't care. And it's just like, I, I don't know. Like, I've been to a game I went to saw a few years ago. I went and saw Bayern Munich versus AC Milan. It's a good chance for fans to see teams that they wouldn't necessarily see. But overall, I just give it a thumbs down because, I don't know, it's too much now. It's just, I'm kind of sick of it, and I'm sick of the promotion and all that. So I say thumbs down to you, preseason tours, because it's just too much. And there you go, Carlos. That is the pretentious cross-country running report. The important takeaway from all of that is that Dave says that preseason tours in pretentious cross-country running are no good, whereas the real games are so much more significant. That's what I took out of that. It's very important. Good to, good to know, Dave. Thank, thank you for that. That was a great report by you. Thank you. I do my best. Before I get to my main topic, do you want to talk about the MLB picks? 
Sure. I, I, I and let's just go quick. Let's do that. And just and just do a just do a rundown of let's a couple. Let's accept. Let's accept our level of wrongness. We're we're about. Well, to I'm just I'm just gonna kind of go in a couple of things that just stand out to me of of what we've picked. So first of all, uh, we did pick the Dodgers to win the NL West. The Dodgers are much better than I expected them to be. They have a, a run differential of plus one fifty one, and are currently the best team in all of Major League Baseball. You know, vaguely shout out acceptable. To the, vaguely acceptable. Shout out to the Dodgers. Uh, we picked you, but we didn't think you were going to be that good. Uh, the other thing is, we also thought the Rockies were going to be half decent, and they're under five hundred with a minus twenty nine run differential and in fourth place in the NL West. We also thought, who's laughing now? Also, the other gigantic contract that was handed out, Manny Machado in his three hundred whatever hundred million dollar three hundred million dollar contract. You're in the basement of the NL West. And you chirped Dodgers fans last time you were in Dodger Stadium saying, we'll win a World Series before you. Which, you never know the way Dodgers have lost two in a row. I was gonna Maybe say, it will be true. That might still be true, despite what happens this season. It's quite possible, but it's not the kind of chirp you want to do when you're 46 and 51 with a minus 48 run differential. I appreciate the run differential. That That's key. Very, very nice there. Oh, now, uh, and I don't want to talk about, and I also have seen the Giants play, and the fact that they're in third is, well, it's, is mesmerizing. And Arizona's the only other team in that division that's over 500, and they're over only by one game. Now, and, and if you want to add anything, just jump in, but I'm going to move on to the AL West. Do it. Okay, Houston Astros, we seem to be bang on with that one. They are currently, I believe, the second-best record in Major League Baseball behind the Dodgers. They're very good at baseball. Yes, they are. And who did we pick? For, we picked Oakland for number two. That's right. Uh, the Rangers are actually better than expected. We pin, finished them in fifth, uh, and the LA Angels in third. So we got the first two in that, but not so great on the rest right now. Still, not plenty, of, still plenty of time. Still plenty still of games plenty between of now and the end of the year. All right, so on to the NL Central, which we said would probably be the most competitive division in baseball, and we're not entirely wrong on that one. Uh, Chicago leads the division, who neither of us picked. We picked, uh, I picked anyway, the Cardinals to be number one. They're in third. The Brewers to be number two. They are in two. The Pirates to be fifth, which they're not right now, and the Reds to be fourth, and they're in fifth. But can it's I, close. Can I pause you for one second? Of course since you you're, Since you're mentioning Milwaukee. What do you think about this um, this Yelly versus Belly? Like they actually have a commercial series with uh, Bellinger and uh, with Kristen Yelich. Uh, quite frankly, I hate it. Why? Just because I, I, I just like as a is commercial this, thing. Is this about the man's pa- face being punchable? Are we going to get back to Kristen Yelich? No, and you want no, no. no. Well, face? I I guess that's part of it. Can I? Can no, I, can I just don't like the Yelly versus Belly. I just don't like it that. It rhymes. Word. That's literally what it's for. It rhymes. I know. I know. I'm just going to be the pessimist on this. I think it's a great marketing opportunity for MLB, though. But it also is, works out beautifully since the two guys are actually neck and neck in home runs. It actually is playing out. No, it, it, you know, it's, it, it's, it's smart marketing. And if you look at their stats side by side, it's actually very impressive how close they are in a couple of the statistical categories. The only major differences I can say is that Bellinger is playing better defensively, but Yelich has 23 stolen bases. So he could very well be a 30-30 guy this year, maybe even a 40-40 guy, depending on how the rest of the season plays out, which would be pretty cool. And they're both hitting around the same average, very impressive, playing very well. I will say, though, having seen that commercial and watch it, 
I, I, I watched it, and as I looked at it, I kind of laughed. Where I, where I kind of, I can kind of see where, uh, where Dave has his Christian Yelich has a punchable face. But my thought process was kind of went the other way. When I look at Bellinger, I go, could you be a more generic white guy? Like, could you be any more generic in playing? Because that's what you've got. You've got these two guys, and good for both of them. I'm very happy for them that they're playing well. And I think it's, it's always good when you have two players. It's not really a rivalry for them, but it is kind of a friendly little competition happening where they're both playing on kind of a similar level for their teams. And I think it'd be a good thing if that continued to the end of the season. I think it'd be fun for everybody. Just if it was able to stay kind of close and competitive, regardless of who wins, it would be kind of fun to watch down the stretch. Yeah. Could be kind of cool. No, for sure. Um, the other thing I want to add with that, though, the NL Central, is that Cincinnati, the fifth place team, is eight and a half games out of first place. And that is the closest of any fifth place team in Major League Baseball. So, so far, it is the most competitive division in the entire league. So, we did nail that. Okay, AL Central. So, Minnesota is surprising people. But they, they're, uh, we're, we picked them to be second. They're first. Uh, that could change. Cleveland is in second. We picked first. Uh, White Sox. Remember, it couldn't possibly be worse, Carlos. It couldn't possibly be worse. And it isn't. They're in third place. Now, they're 15 and a half games out of first place with a minus 97 run differential which is horrible, uh, but they're 43 and 51 for a 457 winning percentage. They're a lot better than, you know, a lot of teams. Well, they're better than the Blue Jays. Teams. They're better than the Blue Jays. They're better than the Orioles, but then everyone is better than the Orioles. So we didn't do too well with this division, but good on Sports Illustrated for saying it can't possibly be worse for the White Sox. Still a great line. I don't care. I it's regret the best nothing. Line. I regret nothing hey, as far as this The NL East. Uh, which I know there was some back and forth between us. I know we didn't agree with this division. Yeah. So far, I am hitting this a home run on this division. I had Braves number one, Nationals number two, Phillies number three, Mets number four, and the I'm still calling them Florida Marlins. No, I'm just kidding. Miami Marlins at number five, uh, and that's what they are right now. Uh, and Miami sucks. You know, there are teams that have a, a better run differential, but Miami really sucks. Uh, the New York Mets are dumpster fire, especially with their co- uh, their manager and GM and all that jazz. Philadelphia, as we said, are underperforming, but you know they're within they're competing. Uh, Atlanta is maybe a little bit better than some people expected, but they're still right there as they were last year. And Washington is two games better than Philadelphia right now. All right, and then last but uh, not least, the AL East. So uh, Baltimore is on pace to lose more than 100 games. The Blue Jays are on pace to lose more than 100 games. And we picked them to be 4-5. and five. I think the only real surprise here is that Boston isn't doing better. Uh, they had a really slow start to the season. So we, we I think we both picked the Yankees to be first. And I also they think that Chris Sale struggles, especially at home, because he recently broke uh, against the Jays. He broke a, uh, a stretch there where he hadn't won a game at home for a while. And... Uh, when Chris Sale isn't pitching that great, it, it hurts the Red Sox. He's a key for kind of what they're doing in their rotation. Absolutely. So there's that. And Tampa Bay is, is doing quite well. But not they're only a half, uh, half a game out of the wild card. Boston's two and a half out of the wild card. So right now your playoff teams, if you will, before I go back to something else. But we have Yankees, Minnesota, Houston, and your wild cards are Cleveland and Oakland. Just sort of kind of where maybe we didn't actually predict who is going to be the wild card, so that's not something we talked about. Uh, but 
we pretty much hit this division on the, the head. And I think, you know, the Orioles have already started to trade people. They traded Andrew Kashner to the, I believe it was Andrew Kashner, to the Red Sox. And the Blue Jays, uh, it seems like everyone except the young guys is up for sale. So Stroman's probably going to go. If they can get a good return for Sanchez, he'd go. But he's lost 10 starts in a row. But Vlad Guerrero's there and entertaining. Uh, Kevin Biggio is there playing well. Boba saying basically, send me up because I'm doing everything you asked me to do. Good on the young guys for, you know, basically being what we expected them to be. And it's going to be a few more years before the Jays are relevant. That is the AL East. I'd like to be a little bit more optimistic about it, but the reality is I don't even think they're going to be relevant in a few years because it's still the same issue that I mentioned before. I don't think their pitching situation has an easy solution to it. Trading Stroman, uh, to be honest, it's the correct thing to do, but it's not like Stroman is that great. I really don't think – I find it very interesting because the Jays are in this weird spot where Stroman, you kind of need to trade him. I don't know how much of an asset he is. And then Aaron Sanchez, okay, you trade him. I guess at the bottom of the market because he's super, he's struggling mightily. So again, you don't, he's not really much of an asset, tremendous talent, but at the same time, like you'd be trading. If it was me, I'd probably keep Sanchez. If nothing else to try to see if you can straighten him out, because if you're going to try to trade him, you're going to want to trade him at a better market than what you've got for him right now. Um, mm-hmm. Stroman, you may as well, because I like Stroman from certain aspects. I think he was the right guy at the right time when we were doing it. But I tried to look at Stroman, and what I did with Stroman when I was thinking about him specifically is I kept trying to go, like, who is the comparable? And the and the, th- the closest that I can come up with is I feel like he's kind of a poor man's Ricky Romero because when Ricky Romero was good, he was better than Stroman was, to be perfectly blunt. And then he just fell off the face of the earth for, for some bizarre reason. I don't know exactly what happened with Ricky Romero, but it just fell off the face of the earth. And outside of that, I really, really struggled to try to find somebody who was a good comparable for Stroman because at the end of the day, yeah, Stroman was an all-star this year on a very bad team. But I was trying to figure out, like, outside of one really good season, what is it that Stroman's done? And in the one season that Aaron Sanchez had, where you can consider him on that, he was, I believe, 15-2. and Like, he was tremendous, not just good. He demonstrated signs of being really top-tier talent. And I don't think too much has changed as far as his physical ability. I think uh, the issues he's had with blisters and uh, kind of these grip is I think it's starting to affect his grip and is also starting to mess with his mind a little bit. I think if he can get that figured out where he can be comfortable throwing the way he was throwing previously, I don't think his stuff has gotten worse. But I think any any anything that reduces your confidence as, as a starting pitcher is a problem. And if uh, right now he's got a confidence issue, I think the Jays would be best served to try to figure out and fix the confidence issue, even if your plan is to trade him away. Don't trade him away right now when he's at his low point and then let another team figure it out and suddenly he's lights out. It's 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 not injury-related, but it's kind of the same thing that happened with Chris Carpenter. They never were able to figure out Chris Carpenter, and then he went to St. Louis, and St. Louis figured out Chris Carpenter, and then he was a Cy Young and then a, a monster in the playoffs for them. And they yep. have a World Series ring because of it. And he was never able to do a fraction of that in Toronto. But it's because at one point you had Chris Carpenter and Roy Halladay in the same rotation. Yeah. So, so all I'm saying is the Jays don't have the greatest track record for being they, – they have a terrible track record for either losing or trading away the guy when he looks like he's on the down slope, but it's really just fixing something. And by the way, if you remember, if you really look back at the history of Roy Halladay, Roy Halladay was sent back down to the minors because he had a problem, and they made an adjustment. And as soon as he came back and they made the adjustment, he was lights out for a decade. 
Yep. And he's a Hall of Famer now. Sometimes it's figuring out what it is, fixing it. And even if you do still want to trade Aaron Sanchez, fix it first, showcase his abilities, and then you'll get more for him if that's the plan. Right now, I don't think you're going to get good value for him in return if that's your idea. That would be my suggestion to them. But what are you going to do? Strowman? Trade him away. Whatever. I, I don't... I'm not that keen on Strowman either way. That's just me. So there's a little uh, customary Jace talk in there. Very good. Got to keep the can con, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now let's talk about the main topic that I was referring to. And I'll explain. Let me explain the context that brought this up. So this week, one of the things that I had going on in my condo, in the condo corporation, is that they is that we've got our little council. And then what they did is they voted to give us gigabit internet in the, in the complex for a tremendously good price, which is great. But one of the perks of it is that because our cable television is also included in our condo fee, we get a great deal on the television. So I've had it for years and it's been great. But I took advantage of the situation where at the same time I had the installer come in and put in the uh, cable modem, which I'm using for my internet now, much faster, which has really been awesome. The other thing I said is, hey, you know what? I haven't had one in a long time. Let's take advantage of this because I can get the hardware at a discount. Bring in the PVR. So I had the guy install both at the same time and set up the PVR. So for the first time in a long time, I have the ability to do two things. One is obviously record my sporting events. Now, I do a lot of stuff like Major League Baseball. It's irrelevant because I can stream it. And also I can watch games that ended and everything. I don't need it for that. But... For other things where it's on TSN or Sportsnet locally where I am, I can record the thing. The other thing it allows me to do because it's a feature of the product is it allows me to do picture in picture so I can watch two channels at the same time on my screen. I am an advocate and an evangelist for the multi-screen life, as you well know. But my main thought was with the amount of stuff happening, and I did put on the Instagram uh, the multi-screen life, but at the same time, jokes aside, my the thing that kind of struck me is is this really a good thing to have these many options? Because at the same time that you've got all this on, and it makes sense for me to have all these screens happening at the same time and be able to track stuff on social media and all that, I'm actually paying less attention to each individual game. The more that I divide my... It's not physically possible to pay full attention. So is the television presentation, the way the television is provided to us, and the social media aspect of it, even though it's been great for getting up to the minute information and having all this to absorb, is it ruining the sports fan watching experience? I'm not even talking about in the stadium. I'm talking about just in general, the fact that I can have two games simultaneously on my screen with regular television, and that's not even taking into account the streaming possibilities, the social media, keeping track of scores and things possibilities, everything you can do on your phone. Is it ruining the sportsman viewing experience? Because no matter what I do and no matter how well I'm able to switch between looking at different things, I'm simply not paying as much attention to the individual game as I once was. Any thoughts on that? It's hard because it's like one of those, who's who's ruining it? Is it is it the fact that it's available or is it the people who choose to live the hashtag multi-screen life? Uh, I think my my initial thought is no. I don't think it is. I think more choice is a good thing. You know, one of the things we talked about earlier this week is how 13 Major League Baseball games now, from now till the end of the season, the first one was this week, are actually broadcast on YouTube. Which I think is a really good thing. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's very smart. The Phillies-Dodgers game was the first one. When I was interested, what I found interesting about it is that if you Google, or not Googled, but if you typed in Phillies versus Dodgers into YouTube, it wasn't the first thing that came up. There were highlights from previous games and like the third or fourth thing down was the actual game. So I think if they're going to do that, they got to fix that algorithm. 
Are you talking about right now or are you talking about at the time? No, I was talking about at the time. Okay. Because I, I went to watch that game, and I did. Uh, but I, I was watching on my iPad, and then my iPad died, and I put on my phone for a little bit because I was doing some other stuff. And both times that I typed it in, something else came up first. Uh, you know, but I, I think I think one of the things that's really good about this sort of experience with being able to do multiple games or whatever is that, well, I mean, maybe it's not necessarily a good thing now that I think about it, but the idea that you can now be a fan of legitimately, you know, follow the team and, and participate with, you feel like you're really there with, you know, the Instagram, with being able to watch, you know, MLB TV, you can watch whatever game you want, whenever you want, you know, so if you want to be a, Chicago White Sox fan. I was going to rip Miami there again, but I'll just just go with the White Sox. You know, and you live in Alaska, you know, I think you can be a legitimate Chicago fan or pick any team of any sport, right? I mean, if it wasn't for that kind of viewing experience, would you be an Aussie Rules football fan if TSN didn't host it and play the games? It's a fair point. I, uh, In fairness, though, yes. Because I actually have had the streaming package before. I, uh, I am a big fan. I'll, I'll, I'll give the Aussie Rules football story for everybody else's benefit in a minute. Your point is fair. I think it's, I think it's a reasonable point. My, the reason I'm taking the angle on it that I am is that it isn't about options, Dave. I'm not talking about options. I'm talking about the fact that it's not that we're being conditioned. It's that knowing that you have these options and feeling at the way everything has gone, especially the, the internet has a lot to do with this as well. We want it all and we want it now. It's the same reason why, you know, as a complex, we voted for we voted for the Internet option that I had installed into the house for two reasons. One, because we're doing it as a condo, condo complex, the, the, fee, the price is much lower. So that's number one, because because you Internet is critical now and having fast Internet relatively inexpensively is huge. But the second reason why is because it was faster. In addition to the fact that it was that it brought the price down a lot for all of us, it also is faster. And that's kind of a thing. We want it faster. Well, the other advantage of having it faster is that you could run more simultaneous screens. I can have a lot of screens right now. I can connect my laptop to my external monitor. I can have my tablet going. I can have now an HD version. Friday Night Football CFL game is running on my tablet right now. I haven't connected my external monitor, but I could because I have enough bandwidth right now that I could run all these things in HD, have this phone call, talk to you, then put something on my phone. I can have five or six screens going at the same time. It becomes absurd. It's not possible to pay attention to all these things. It becomes like imagining a television control room. It doesn't matter how good you are at it. You can't look at everything at the same time, and your attention is going to be diverted. No, I agree, but I, I, I still think that's on the individual. I mean, because of the way we live, in, in, you know, in the day and age that we live and with technology being what it is, it's like if, it's the same thing in, 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 like, let's say, education. Ultimately, it's going to be up to the individual student. They have to police their phone use, and they have to learn when is an appropriate time to go on my phone, when it's not an appropriate time to go on my phone, and how much am I willing to let this device take over my life. You know, I think it's the same thing with sports viewing, right? Is that I like this is just me, but I could be living the hashtag multi-screen life right now, uh, but I'm not, right? I have the Dodger game on right now while I'm talking to you. I mean, I guess you theoretically could say that I, I'm I was going to say technically because I'm talking to you. We had this that we had this discussion, and the thing but is, I don't. But I could I could have the CFL game on as well, and I don't. That's fine, but the you know, but, but the but the point is that when we're talking about multi-screen, we're talking about multiple screens. 
Fair yeah. enough. Whatever's but, on but the I, screen doesn't. You could be what you could be watching the Usual Suspects while having this conversation. While having fair enough, I could be. Uh, it, you know, but but the thing is, if I wasn't talking to you, let's let's put it this way: if I wasn't talking to you, would I be watching multiple sports right now? No, I would just have the Dodge. I'd either be in bed, or I'd be I'd have the Dodge game on, and that's it. And that's fine. The other con- the I shouldn't say concern. Concern's the wrong word. Maybe the other issue that I have is that you're right. It is still the option of the person, but it's something you become acclimated to. It's the same. It's the same reason that as internet got faster, and I experienced this. We're still old enough where we experienced dial-up. My family had it very early, and yep. when you have dial-up, I remember it. Yeah, and when you have dial-up, and we had it super early, is that you get a you learn to be very patient. You did not have a choice, and if somebody made a phone call to the house, it disconnected the internet, and you had to deal with it, and that was part of it. And then as time went on, and the thing got faster, and then you got broadband, so now the telephone was no longer an issue, you became slowly less and less patient. So you kind of want it now. Even a lot of folks were, yeah, they're watching one thing on TV, and they'll argue with me that they're, oh, I'm just watching a thing on TV. It's like, okay, cool. Did you look at your phone at all during the whole time? Well, yeah, during commercials. And that leads me to the television presentation part of it. See, the I like doing multiple screens because even at work, I have to be paying attention to multiple things. I'm just accustomed to it. It's the way that I, it's the way that my workflow works, and I have to for, force myself. Even though I used to be very good at just focusing in and tuning in on one specific thing, as I got older and I moved into my working life, I got really good at just doing multiple things at the same time because I had to. But at the same time, when I come into my own time, I'm just used to that workflow, so I kind of have to work with it. Part of the issue that I have with the presentation, I'm, I'm using television as an example. Part of the issue I have with the presentation is that. The television folks, in their efforts to try to make more money from advertisements, are basically creating a television product where I'm almost forced to go to my phone and do other things because, frankly, I'm not paying attention to your ads. It doesn't matter what you're doing. And I would much rather, rather than listen to you babble, I would like to see more of the games with less stoppages because then the actual presentation of the broadcast would be a little bit shorter. It would be more streamlined. I would actually get the thing that I want. And I'll use the example, even with the the habit that I have of the multi-screen life. When I use the PVR and I was watching, and this will bring in that, uh, what are we were talking about, the Aussie Rules football thing. One of the boons of having a PVR installed now that I use, picture in picture is awesome. But when I record something and play it back, I can skip through commercials. I can skip through all the filler. I can skip through all the thing. And I was able to watch the game all the way through, catch the actual game itself, watch it all the way without as many interruptions. And I, and I just watched the game. I just watched the game on the one screen because I was able to streamline and cut out a lot of the fat that was in the presentation. Yeah, but I also find, I, I mean, for me personally, I can only speak from personal experience, I don't like watching games that way. Like, I'll watch a game if it's a big game and I really wanted to see it after the fact, but it's not, you know, I find sometimes I'm just not as into it if I know it's not live. Right? And, I mean, I guess that could go to your point in terms of is it ruining the sports fan experience? Well, Maybe in that sense, because, you know, a game that you're watching on tape delay, whether it's PVR or, you know, on, like aired on network television, but, you know, an hour, two hours after the actual game, uh, you know, that maybe that is ruining it because you're taking away from the live viewer experience. I don't know. I still feel like the onus is on the individual person. Has it changed the way things are done? Absolutely it has uh, and probably will continue to do so. But at at the end of the day, you know, it's it's what people want. So people in want to have you know live the hashtag multi screen life and are happy with it. 
then who are we to say you're the ones ruining sports? Because if that's the majority, it's going to continue to go that way, right? So, that, that's what people want. Let, let me ask a question on that. Let, let me kind of reply to that piece, the specific piece that you just said. I know that now people are used to it, and to a certain degree, they will gravitate towards the multi-screen life, but I don't know if they actually want it. Some people do. Not ever. This this is not an across the board thing because you're what you're talking about is personal preference, and there's going to be personal preference for everything. So nothing is an absolute. Just so we're all clear. But I will say that when remember, and that's why I use the definition. When I say multi-screen life, what I'm talking about, it doesn't necessarily mean watching two sporting events on your screen. It can be having a sporting event on. The commercials come on. You grab your phone and you start flipping through social media. That's two. Or better yet, instead of flipping through social media. How about you listen to the Unnecessary Nonsense podcast? Exactly. But the point is that as soon as you do that, the moment you fire up Instagram or Twitter or do whatever, that's a second screen. The second screen is in your hand, but it's still a yes. second screen. Multiple Correct. is more than one. So it yeah. doesn't matter what it is on the other screen. There's something on there. The thing, the thing is you're doing that during commercials because you don't want to watch the commercials. That's the television presentation. You might also be doing that during the broadcast when it's back on because now you're babbling on about something I don't care about. And even though the ads are technically done, now you're telling me what you're sponsored by. and You're doing a thing where you're doing a little puff piece where you're talking about some kind of a thing you did with the sponsor. And you're doing that during the broadcast and you're creating these additional delays in play. That's part of the broadcast. That's part of things that you do to add time because the players could be playing. If the players were playing right now, I wouldn't be looking at my phone. I'd be looking at the players playing because that's actually happening. That kind of leads to your to your point about the live. When the players aren't actually doing anything, I'm not going to watch them standing around. There's no point in me doing that. I, I might as well then go to my second screen for a little while until the actual gameplay starts up again. But that is part of the television presentation. And for the in-game live experience, that's also the television has bled into it as well. And this is something that I've said before. If I'm paying t money to sit in the stadium to watch this game, I don't want a television timeout. If it's a timeout because you need to strategize, because you need to figure something out, cool. That's part of the game. Or, or if it's a natural break in the game. Correct. You know what I mean? Like if it's baseball and it's in between innings, that's different. Yeah, but if we're literally standing there staring at each other because we're waiting for us to come back from commercial, that's bullshit. That's not a real break. That's something you manufactured in order to meet the sponsor requirements, which I get. I, I get it. But then I'm going to then suddenly, then I'm going to grab this thing and I'm going to start looking at it. Fair enough. But but also look at it this way though, because I want to point this out. If that's your thing, Carlos, in pretentious cross country running, that's how it works. There's halftime because there's a natural break in the game, and that's it. That's true. But I could watch the entire. I could watch a five minute clip of the game and just loop it, and it wouldn't be any different. Oh, that's your personal preference again. But I'm just saying, whereas other sport, you know, sports like football, and when I say football, I mean, you know, CFL, NFL, AAF, rest in peace. NBA, NBA is one of the worst for that, especially with the last two minutes of the game with all the timeouts that, you know, if in a close game inevitably happen. I will right? say, I will say that as far as the NBA is concerned, I, I'm never into that. The last couple of minutes, how long it drags out for, that is not my thing. Mind you, when it comes to the NBA, I kind of resolved that issue in that I'm really only paying attention to the NBA closely during higher profile games where maybe the storyline is a little more interesting and playoff games where the, there's a bigger stake. The bigger stake helps offset some of the aggravation that I have for those delays, the interminable delays. 
that are built into the presentation of the game. The problem that a lot of these things have is that they've become so acclimated to meeting the demands of television that they've created all this. And in order to meet all the, so it's become a chicken to the egg thing where it's like, they say, oh, the audience wants that. It's like, do they though? If, if you gave me a choice, are you telling me that I couldn't, that I wouldn't possibly choose to cut some of the, you know what? I really don't need your analysis. Could I get straight back to the game? That'd be really good. Could you do that? It's, it's the, at least the interminable delays in the last two minutes of the game, at least if it's based on timeouts or fouls being called or a team, you know, complaining about something and then trying to get a replay shown or something like that. At least then the teams are actively doing something. They're creating that delay as opposed to now we're going to go to commercial break and in the arena, everybody's just going to stand around staring at each other, which has always bothered me. If television was part of the organic experience, I totally get that. I still think that more television events should adopt the, you know what, you want to show your little ad, put it in the corner and shrink the screen, but let the play continue. And then I can still see it on my screen and I'm going to ignore your ad anyway. At this point, television advertising doesn't work nearly as well as it once did. It's, I can see it and still not see it. Sometimes I, I can go months and not remember a single television ad I saw and I'm not buying the product. What are you putting it on there for? Yeah. Are you buying Yelly? You're, but you are buying Yelly versus Belly. Yelly versus Belly, ironically enough, I saw MLB.com did a article on Yelly versus Belly. So I only saw it in the video that accompanied the article on MLB.com. Otherwise, I would not have seen Yelly versus Belly. What does that Fair tell enough. you? What does that tell you? Yeah. It, well, it tells me that, again, like we said, it. I don't know. I think that, that it's going the way of the dinosaur in a lot of ways, right, with the streaming and, and everything. But nobody is paying attention to the ads. You know, has the television presentation and, and, and the social media fundamentally changed the way we view sports? Absolutely. I'm just not, I'm just not in the it's ruined it camp. In fairness, though, I think part of that is because the reason why I wanted to have this conversation isn't because I expect everyone to agree with me. That's okay. I think, though, part of the difference is, remember, you're also a guy who still likes radio and you're also a guy who likes newspaper. So the way this you react, the way you react, and that's why this is still a valid discussion. The way oh, I, don't get me, I agree with you 100% on that. The way that you react to the options available to you will very much be um, angled based on the way you react to other media. So if you're kind of interested, if you're still interested in the newspaper kind of traditional media, radio kind of a traditional media, well, then maybe you're still going to watch the thing in a similar way that someone would have who would have been more exposed to those two things because that's the way you like consuming the content. Then you take somebody else who's more into the current technology with the way it is, having the options, having being able to, because it's because you can flip. Even with, uh, even with baseball games. Because I can literally go to any game I want, if this game isn't interesting me, I can flip to another one. Or I can do the multi-screen thing and flip between where the audio is playing. Because while you're on commercial break, I'm flipping to this game. And if this game's interesting, I'll watch that. And then it goes to commercial break. I'll flip to this game. Then I'll flip to this game. But none of these games get my full undivided attention because they can't hold it. The moment you go to commercial break, you lost me. At least for a couple of minutes until maybe the next commercial break hits. Not everybody's going to do that. Not everybody's going to go into that flow. But I'm saying, I don't think the lack of options is a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. I think it's having those options for the sports fan. That part of it, I think, is the best it's ever been. We have never had more options to be able to see it. My problem is that in trying to squeeze every last dime out of that television dollar, which I get, because they are paying a lot of money for these rights fees, for these, for these live events, in trying to squeeze every last dollar, 
the audience has learned how to ignore your stuff because they become inoculated to it. And a lot of the younger folks in this generation now are so used to it at this point that it's it's not going to affect them. But then why? I mean, the company's still paying for it, though, right? Like the the advertising dollars are still there. Because they will look at conversion rates. They're right now. I'll I'll actually answer your question. The reason why they're able to do it still, and there's folks starting to argue against this now in the in the commercial and advertising space, is that they're saying that the advertising company that's doing the commercials is going to say to you, "Oh, look at the ratings. These are how many people are looking at your ad." They're talking about views, basically. They're not talking about actual. Um, reaction to it uh what's the word i'm looking for engagement that's the word i'm looking for they're okay. not talking about engagement they're saying if i put the screen in front of you right now dave and the game's on the dodger game's on or whatever i put it on in front of you and let's say you decide not to look down at your phone and then i play these ads in front of it but you're looking right at the screen and you're ignoring everything you're not reacting to it you don't remember the product five seconds after it came off the screen so to you the engagement was zero it did not register with you you still count as eyeballs seeing this ad so yeah, the, no, so, I agree. Yeah, I know that. So but. when the company, so when the company goes, they go and when they have, when they justify their bill, they'll say, "Well, Dave Turnbull looked at my ad, not you directly, but they'll say, oh, this demographic, male, you know, eighteen to thirty-five or eighteen to forty or whatever demographic they want to hit. There you are. You're in the demographic. You saw the ad technically, therefore it worked. Now it didn't convert you into buying the thing because already you forgot what the ad was." So it didn't actually convert. That So there are better versions. It's the same thing that happens where, um, using the other analogy I used about the newspaper. You look at the newspaper. When's the What's the last newspaper ad you remember? Uh, probably an ad congratulating the Toronto Raptors. Sure, but there are ads all over the newspaper. Like if I asked you to grab the newspaper and go page by page, there's plenty of ads on there. Oh, no, I, I totally. But I then, mean, I know there's there's certain ones that are there every week sure. for certain companies, but, but what happens? can I remember reading, specifically reading, what it says? No, you're reading your articles. You're reading whatever content you want to read, even in, even while it's on, even if it's on the same page, you're not but seeing. I, but I, but I will say this, uh, and, I, and I don't know if this is a you know I, obviously it's it's not an everybody thing, but I find in terms of my interaction with products, I find the newspaper much more effective than the television. It can be if you're reading the newspaper. The problem that the problem exactly that's is that less people are reading the newspaper, so it doesn't Correct. matter. Yes, your engagement rate is higher. So it, from that standpoint, it makes sense. It's the same reason why once upon a time, and this is like a marketing discussion, but just so we're all on the same page. It's the same reason direct mail. This is the same reason you still get spam mail. Because at one time, the engagement rate on spam mail was really high, and they're still trying to bank on that. And there are companies whose business is to create this these circulars that are coming to your house. Well, you know what happens when I go to my spam mail? I go to my mailbox, I lift open the top, I grab it, and then it goes straight in my recycling bin. I don't even so much as look at it. It, it. Yeah. So the the people that sent it, they wasted their money printing out the piece of paper for me. The newspaper, I don't have one. We've got a newspaper in Mississauga. No one reads it. It's an ad envelope. That's all it is. And I grab it and I throw it straight in there. My parents still look at it because they'll look at the flyers to see the deal, the sales. I've got an app for that. I don't even need it for that. So at this point, those flyers, that piece of paper. Some trees had to die for it to go into my recycling bin. But that's with everything. That's with newspapers. That's with all that type of media. To your point, that's the reason they still release the flyers. Because they say, well, you know, we send it to all these houses and people come to the supermarket. Well, correlation is not causation. I still need to eat. 
So when I go to the supermarket, guess what? I figured out that there was a sale because I went to the supermarket and I saw it on the poster in the supermarket. I didn't see it on your flyer. I didn't look at the flyer unless I specifically wanted to buy that thing. So you print the flyer for nothing. I didn't look at it. Yeah. And that's with everything else. That's why I say like we're we're going to see how the market develops because it's going to be very interesting. To bring it back into the sports context, it's going to be interesting to see in the future, now that we're all and the different sports leagues have become much better at selling the product directly to the consumer because I can see all the MLB games without having cable. The fact that I happen to have a nice cable package because my condo does it, and this is a conversation we've had before, if my condo complex did not already have a deal with the cable company where I get incredibly subsidized cable, I wouldn't pay one dime for it. It's fine. I don't mind having it. The PVR and all that, that's cool. It's a nice fringe benefit, but I wouldn't pay extra for it. Yeah. Not $1. If they tell me, well, you can have a discount on your condo fee if you take it away, I'll be like, take it away from me. You can have it right now. I'll put it back in the box for you. No problem. Take it. I don't need it. I can get it in other places and I can get it cheaper and I can get it directly the way that I want it. It's the same reason why you, you see a decrease in almost every other kind of media where you're like, I want it this way and I want it on demand and in this manner. In the long run, I don't know. The, at the end of the day, this debate is not so much because I want to get a final answer on it. The, rea the truth is, though, I'm presenting that it interests me and also concerns me that the television broadcasters still haven't clued in that in some ways your presentation is actually turning off the viewer. You're making it more annoying to watch the show because the game is the show. You can try to put ads in there and that's part of the, par part of the package, but you have to integrate it in a little bit better. Because right now, when it's in my face, I can still ignore it even if it's in my face. It doesn't matter yeah. that I put it on a big screen in front of me. Anything else? Uh, any other thoughts you have on that? Nope. You don't I'm ready to move on to the shout-out and the what we're looking forward to this week. Let's do it. You got a shout-out. Engraved on the Nation. Now, this is kind of a, uh old shout-out. Uh, Shocking. But, so, but let's put it this way. So, Engraved on a Nation is it was originally a series where TSN put out a documentary for each team leading up to the 100th Grey Cup, right? So they, they did, you know, I believe they did nine of them. When was the Baltimore uh -huh. Stallions episode? No, there was no Baltimore Stallions episode. This is no, was there a Las Vegas Posse or Shreveport Pirate or a Birmingham Barracuda, et cetera, et cetera? This is regionalism, Dave. This is, <laughs> this is completely inappropriate. Uh -huh. It's wrong. But yeah, what they did, what they did this year, and they originally aired them in February, but I didn't catch them then. But they're they're re-airing them now on TSN. You know, it's the summer, so there's not as much on. And it's it's basically like the Canadian version of Thirty for Thirty. So they made six of them. They made one about Donovan Bailey. They made one about TFC and and, and the culture around TFC. They made one, and, and these are the ones I've seen now. They made one about. The Lou Marsh, which is the award, the award for Canada's Beth Athlete. Uh, they gave a, a thing there between Larry Walker and Jacques Villeneuve, and which no was really good. And no mention on the Kenny Omega story, the wrestling guy? Well, I watched that today. From Winnipeg. Uh, right? And, and that was really interesting. So here's a guy from Winnipeg who's actually been voted by uh, some wrestling magazines as the best wrestler uh, for multiple years. And he's wrestling mostly out of Japan. Not anymore. Uh, you know the, the, the documentary is good, but it's a little out of date. So I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in a little bit, Dave. Kenny Omega, 
yes, he was wrestling in Japan, and he actually did very well. He's had a, he had a great career in Japan. Now he is an executive vice president in All Elite Wrestling, which is now is a startup that is now trying to. They're not officially competing with the WWE, but they're going to be starting in the fall on T on TV, TNT. So they're going to be airing a weekly wrestling television show on TNT, which is one of the Turner Turner networks where WCW used to air. They actually aired on TBS and uh, TNT, I believe, both. I think it was the two of them. So they will be airing this fall on TNT, but he's an executive vice president with a couple of his buddies from wrestling. But yes, he did make his name in Japan. And at the time this documentary came out, that was still very accurate. So I've only watched two. Uh, and then there's one on uh, women's hockey, the Canada-U.S. rivalry as well. I saw that one, actually. It was very well done. Yeah. So, I mean, it again, uh, great production value. Uh, very similar to the 30 for 30 style. Uh, slightly different, but with Canadian content. So I just thought I would give a shout-out there that if anybody hasn't watched them, uh, they're putting them back on TSN right now. And it, it's definitely, I mean, if you're interested in Canadian sports or in Canada, something that's worth taking a look at. I think that really uh, TSN really needs to get on the ball. And the thing is they have the platform for it. They should really get on the ball and actually just put it on the damn website. Especially if you order, especially if you're a person who orders like there's the, uh, there's the one where you can actually without a cable package or without satellite, you can actually have TSN directly. I would think if you order TSN, why don't you just put stuff like that content that you create for TSN, like engraved on a nation, just make it available on an on-demand basis. You don't have to sit there and produce a ton of content for it, but you happen to have it and you own it. You may as well just make it available on the website. You can do it with a login. It's not a big deal. I would just make it available because the documentary, you could sell that as, as a, a value add with the existing package that you're already charging people for. Yeah, I think I think that's a solid idea. Yeah, and the thing is the, the platform's already available. It's not like you have to do anything. Already, if you go to the TSN website in Canada, you can watch certain things on demand on the website to me you just make it available ready for some uh what we're looking forward to this week um one thing i'm actually looking forward to is a cfl game the next friday night football so on july 26th winnipeg is playing hamilton in hamilton and winnipeg is well winnipeg is currently the best team in the cfl and hamilton is the best team in the eastern division right now so that should i would hope be a good matchup it's quite possible that they could, you know, do what they're doing to Ottawa right now, and uh, that game that's currently on right now is thirty-one to one. Gotta love the Rouge for Winnipeg. So hopefully it doesn't turn out like that. Uh, but it, you know, game's in Hamilton, so that's good there. Uh, the other thing that starts up this week, which I'm not sure if I'm really looking forward to it or not, is the Concacaf Nations League. Insert Carlos, you know, making fun of soccer reaction here. So. No, not even, not even, not even worth it. No, okay, I'm good. Uh, you know, so basically, it's. I feel not teams, making fun of it is actually more disdain than if I came up with a joke. Please, fair continue. enough. Uh, teams from around Concacaf playing teams from around, well, you know, America and playing Mexico playing. Is this like an abusive relationship with you and Concacaf at this point? Like, why oh, do you watch it? Like, you genuinely do. Can I? Can I say seriously? You genuinely don't enjoy it. You do the whole rant thing with Concacaf. Why? Well, I, that's why I said I didn't know if I was looking forward to it. Like, I'm willing to give it a chance, but 
but I'm not sure. I'm not sure yet. I haven't done enough research as to to know if this is a thing that I want to take part in. How, how I just know what they, exists. How long do these games normally last if you watch them on TV? Well, well every soccer game is ninety minutes. No, but how, what is the actual runtime? I'm talking. I'm not talking about the game time. I'm talking about if you're watching it on television, does it actually take ninety real time? So, so if I turn on the TV from the start of the game yes. till the broadcast is yes. over, mm-hmm. two hours. Okay, so two hours. You know what would probably work really well. I wouldn't say your face because you do have your concussion issues, but maybe just like uh, call Ben, have him come over and like kick you in the gut for like 90 minutes, and then you can spend 30 minutes on the ground writhing. And I think that's a better use of your two hours. Eh, we'll see. Anyway, I, I, you know what? I, here's the thing. Right now, I'm committed to following it and paying attention, but not watching anything on TV. Good even job. if it is on TV, I haven't even checked that out. But it's just interesting. Uh, this, and I think it actually might. Here's the one thing, though. Back to another previous rant about the CONCACAF Champions League. It may actually improve the way American teams play against Mexican teams, which, quite frankly, this actually may make CONCACAF better. Or it will be a complete disaster. Time shall tell. Brilliant. Good job. What are you looking forward to, Carlos? So normally this is where I go into the UFC thing, but i got to be honest, the last UFC, it didn't disappoint me. I, I'm not going to go that far. But I will say I was a little disappointed in the outcome. Uriah Faber had a tremendous performance, but I was very disappointed that the Aspen... It was funny because the last two fights in the last show at UFC Sacramento both got criticized a little bit for early stoppages. But one of them I think was legit. I think the... I think the Aspen Lad fight was an early stoppage, but I think the Uriah Favor one was completely fair. Although I will say that I did see footage of Aspen Lad after she tried to make weight, basically shaking as she was trying to make weight, which leads me to conclude that I understand why the UFC pulled the plug on that fight when she got in trouble really early. I will say, though, that um, if you're struggling to make weight that much, I think you may have to consider just going one division higher. Because at that point, it's dangerous. You, you pretty much need to... Any sport where you need to make weight, if you almost... If you look like you're in trouble medically in order to try to make weight, maybe you should consider another division. That would be my, my personal opinion as a non-doctor. So I'm not going to talk about the UFC one, even though there is a UFC card. Right now, in the, in the summertime, the UFC does have a card every weekend. There is, there is a card with um, Dozan Hose and Edwards, UFC San Antonio. Some decent looking fights on it. I think, I think it'll be fine. But... What I'm looking forward to is on Saturday afternoon in the Eastern Standard Time, we have the GWS Giants taking on Collingwood in Aussie Rules football. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Which will be on TSN3. In- hey, there you go. So we know what you're doing, Carlos. Hey, listen, I- I've already got to set it to the PVR. So even if for whatever reason I don't catch it right away, I can still watch it. Listen, I, I thought I would go in a different way. We're in round 18, Dave. The premiership continues forward. You got to understand, Aussie rules football is basically the same as Dave's, as Dave's, you know, pretentious cross country running. It would be identical. All you have to do is imagine pretentious cross country running, and imagine if you had like physical contact where if somebody gets touched, you know, they don't like die. Basically, in the last game that I watched, and it was a great comeback, uh, Adelaide unfortunately blew the lead, but nonetheless. If you watched it, there was a hit there from the captain of Adelaide where he basically dislocated his elbow and then went down, and they continued playing. But basically, if that had happened in pretentious cross-country running, they would have had a funeral procession, they would have rolled out a hearst, and they might have just, you know, had the bagpipes playing, and they would have stopped the game and, like, you know, had a whole day of mourning. It would have been uh, very dramatic. But instead, he went to the side, they taped him up, and he went back out there. Gotta love it. 
Yeah. So you know, the Aussies do it right. I and also the also the Aussies felt like it was a good hit. <laughs> it was so good. It was beautiful. You do if you if you've never seen the sport, it is genuinely entertaining. It it is kind of fun for what it is. And as I said, you have the good physical contact. You've got if you like athleticism, people running around, you got plenty of that. You also have plenty of scoring. And you've got really excitable Aussies. Come on, man. That's a sport right there. That's worth watching. But anyway, so I've got that. And then, as I said, you've got the UFC event. I will watch a little bit of the British Open. I am looking forward to that, although uh, both Tiger and Phil Mickelson did get bounced. They really, got to, they really got shredded up by that course. That course absolutely killed some people. I don't know if you heard about this. They were they're having, I think the course is in Ireland. i got to double-check that, but I think the course is in Ireland. And they had Rory McIlroy there, who obviously is Irish. And he had a great ovation as a hometown. But then I think he he got an eight on the first hole. Like, he absolutely got destroyed. Oh, boy. The, 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 the hole just tore him to shreds. And that tells you how deep the rough is. And it's the the, the, the professionals are being put through the ringer. But, of course, Brooks Kepka played very well because he's a machine. He's not human, and he's out to destroy us all. I don't think he's leading the tournament, but I think he's still doing reasonably well. But that's that's another thing on there. You got the British, you got the Open Championship as well, so that's another possibility for me. Aussie rules football number one. I'm definitely going to watch some baseball for sure, and I'm going to check out the UFC. Uh, the magic of the PVR lets me watch, uh, lets me record it, and then I can play it back if I need to. But I'll definitely check it out. So that is what I'm looking forward to this week. All right. With all that said, as usual, shameless plug time. We have the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast YouTube channel. If you type it in the into YouTube, you will find it. We're probably going to have another Unnecessary Nonsense pod extra as I finally get my act together and manage to edit uh, one of our previous conversations, and I'll throw it up uh, up there this week, upcoming, as well as our archive versions of all our different podcasts. If you want to check it out that way, you can see basically a static image of our faces in cartoon form in addition to listening to the podcast. That's an option for you. Otherwise, we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, wherever else you get your podcasts. We're also available on social media, Instagram, at Unnecessary Podcast, altogether. Twitter, Unnecessary underscore pod. And our site is unnecessarypod.podbean.com. Just a regular website where you can basically download all our different podcasts. You're welcome to check it out on any of those different areas. We're available on all of them. So for myself and Dave, once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.